We're playing catch up this week after our much needed winter holiday news break. And there's a lot to catch up on from the world of technology. Yeah. Much of it, of course, involves Elon Musk and artificial intelligence. Two topics that have unfortunately followed us through the portal <laughs> into the new year. I thought those were 2023 topics. Nope. Forever topics. Yeah. But before we get fully back on that dead horse, let's run down some other tech stories from the past few weeks, starting with the latest Twitch meta. Mm. Or rather, what was the latest Twitch meta for a few weeks before finally being shut down. And if you're not especially clued into the world of Twitch, neither are either of us at this point, but every few months, a new method for attention grabbing is discovered over there, which is then quickly adopted by so many streamers that it becomes almost unavoidable. And the latest Twitch meta was streaming while topless. T-O-P-L-E-S-S. Topless. And I just want to say, uh, I would put money on the fact that 2024 might be the last year of Twitch as we know it. As we know it. It is looking kind of weirdly dire. I think getting the sense that Amazon's just like, why did what? I buy this Do again? Do we need this anymore? We're not making any money. We it's... tried putting the football games on yeah. it and some of the, the prime programming. Also, Amazon's doing its own uh, weird stuff with putting commercials in all of its prime content, uh, yeah. causing me to rethink my membership. Uh, a lot of things, but yeah. Twitch in particular, uh, no one is safe, first of all, but Twitch in particular looking pretty dire. Would there be any real loss, though? Yeah, I mean, a couple, a couple. I mean, yeah, like, yeah millions of people's careers. And yes, yeah, okay, that, yeah. Fair enough, yeah. But wait, now, hold on. You, you can't just get naked on Twitch. Yeah, wait a minute. That would be a blatant TOS violation. Well, that's the beauty of it. None of the streamers doing topless streams were actually topless. They just framed themselves from the shoulders up and wore shirts that weren't visible from that angle. It's sort of like that bubble porn that Mormons look at. You know, you get the picture. Yeah. Your, your mind does the it's rest of the, the stitching. Yeah. There's no actual nudity happening, but when you can't see any clothes and all you see is skin, your brain fills in the blanks. And this new Twitch meta, of course, generated all sorts of the usual discourse. The same discourse we previously saw with ASMR streams and hot tub streams. Basically, people upset that what's ostensibly a video game streaming service was looking a lot more like an adult camming site. But, you know, you gotta admire the ingenuity here. Fair play. Uh, this was a very clever way of doing porn on the internet without doing anything that could be objectively described as nudity. Just pure suggestion. But after a few crazy weeks, it's over. Shirts back on, folks. They should. They should, if only it lasted a little bit longer. Considering I believe North Carolina has joined a few other states in banning porn sites. Oh yeah. Or yeah. requiring ID to log into them. So a bunch of porn sites are just like, oh well, not yeah, not gonna operate here anymore. Uh, Twitch had its chance. They had the chance. Anyways, here's more on how it's Jover from The Verge. Twitch is changing its sexual content policies again this time to prohibit implied nudity on the platform. Boo. The platform already prohibits nudity, but Twitch's new attire policy, which goes into effect today, also doesn't allow streamers to imply or suggest that they are fully or partially nude, Chief Customer Trust Officer Angela Hessian says in a blog post. This policy change comes after Twitch's recently loosened policies on sexual content. Twitch updated its sexual content policies in December to allow some previously prohibited content as long as it was labeled correctly. However, just two days later, it rescinded part of the newly updated policy that allowed for artistic nudity following community concern. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Yeah. Creators continued to push the boundaries of the new policy as creators are wont to do. 
Some found ways to suggest that they are fully or partly nude while streaming. For example, they may have positioned the camera in such a way as to indicate that they may be naked. Hessian says that while most streamers have labeled their content correctly as having sexual themes, which hides the posts from Twitch's homepage, users might still see potentially suggestive thumbnails while browsing the site. A lot of these were like uh, well-endowed chest region uh, to the yeah. point where it, uh, they, the, you know, the, you, the cutoff would let you assume that they were fully nude. Yeah. Uh, did anyone happen to do the thing where you zoom in really close to your uh, your armpit and it looks like a, like a vagina? Uh, not to my knowledge. Yeah. I do believe, uh, didn't Boogie get himself banned oh, for God. showing his dick and balls Dude, or something? Dude, I, I th- the last thing I wanted to see on holiday break, and wouldn't you know it, it was all over Twitter when I happened to log uh, on and just start I mean, skimming. It, I mean, I was... I wasn't, I, I don't follow him too closely. I, uh, you know, it is nice to see proof that he has in fact lost weight because that skin be hanging. Yeah, no, he had like a, you know, in some ways very artistically covered uh, the genital areas. Yeah, it was, but no, I did not want to see that. Hmm. And um, same thing, I, I didn't want to see his uh, dental surgery either, but you know, it was foisted upon me by yeah, everyone else. Everything I know about this man is against <laughs> my will. Yeah, well, look, that's that. No more, regardless. Uh, no, Now no one will ever figure out a new way to circumvent Twitch's terms of use to stream sexually suggestive content ever again. Yeah, that's it. That's, there's we no fixed way. the glitch. No one is ever going to come up with a new creative <laughs> way to do this. Carry on. But speaking of gamers... Over in China, they continue to treat video games like the degeneracy that it truly is, with yet another set of regulations designed to save gamers from their own self-destruction. China's gaming industry is a big part of its economy, which the government itself has a massive stake in. But President Xi Jinping is willing to make sacrifices if it means stopping his citizens from turning into Cheeto-stained, Mountain Dew-chugging Amerifats. And look, you gotta respect it. Yeah. Thank you, President Xi. (laughs) Here's Reuters. Chinese regulators announced on Friday a wide range of rules aimed at curbing spending and rewards that encourage video games, dealing a blow to the world's biggest games market, which returned to growth this year. The new rules, which will effectively set spending limits for online games, sparked panic among investors, wiping off nearly $80 billion in market value from China's two biggest gaming companies as investors sought to gauge the potential impact on earnings and more restrictions in the offing. Online games will now be banned from giving players rewards if they log in every day, if they spend on the game for the first time, or if they spend several times on the game consecutively. All are common incentive mechanisms in online games. Shares in Tencent Holdings, the world's biggest gaming company, tumbled as much as 16% at one point, while those of its closest rival, NetEase, plunged as much as 25% after the National Press and Publication Administrations published the new draft rules. Mr. Xi, please stop me from logging in every day to get my Marvel Snap Winterverse rewards, please! Yeah, I mean, like, these these uh, tactics, they are very annoying. And they, they do work. Because it's like, they definitely I know do. I got gems waiting for me. I got gold, every night. gold bars and, yeah. <laughs> and whatever the little blue tokens are so yeah. I can upgrade my cars. Wait, just waiting for me. Yeah. So it's, a, it's too good a game. I can't put it down. I, uh, I, I, uh, yep. They need to just delete it from my phone. I, I would. Because I'm not going to do it. I'd still be playing, but I just, I, they stopped giving me cards that I wanted to use. Well, that's because you didn't stick around long enough. I mean, probably. Yeah, I, I open up like once a month and I like, you know, reignite the flame. But then yeah. I'm like, all right, this is, that was fun. Yeah. Using well, like the same three decks over and over again. They got me. 
anyway, so the previous stuff China did, like pausing all new video game approvals for eight months straight and using facial recognition to stop kids from gaming at night, that was a bit dystopian. But this new stuff sounds like they're just removing a bunch of slot machine mechanics from mobile games, which, hey, sounds good. Please, Mr. Biden, uh, do something. Mr. I Biden, can't be stopped. Save me from myself. So, yes, thank you, President G. And in other gaming news, since we're on the topic, remember that big GTA 6 leak back in 2022? Well, at the time, Rockstar had said nothing about the game aside from confirming that it was in development. And then suddenly there were 90 videos of GTA 6 gameplay leaked online. It was maybe the biggest leak ever of a video game in development. And a few days later, the culprit was caught. It was a 17-year-old named Arian Kurtaj who managed to pull off the hack while out on bail for hacking into other major companies and who didn't even have access to a computer at the time. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Damn, kid. Interesting uh, interesting ways here. From B from BBC. The jury was told that while he was on bail for hacking NVIDIA and BTEE and in police protection at a travel lodge hotel, he continued hacking and carried out his most infamous hack. Despite having his laptop confiscated, Kurtaj managed to breach Rockstar, the company behind GTA, using an Amazon Fire Stick, his hotel TV, and a mobile phone. Kurtaj stole 90 clips of the unreleased and hugely anticipated Grand Theft Auto 6. He broke into the company's internal Slack messaging system to declare, if Rockstar does not contact me on Telegram within 24 hours, I will start releasing the source code. He then posted the clips and source code on a forum under the username Teapot Uberhacker. He was rearrested and detained until his trial. Uh, then the hotel's getting worse. He, go, he went to a Motel 6 We're after. putting you in the shittiest hotel we can find. Yes. The one with no restrictions on its Wi-Fi. You mm. don't even have to log in. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the trial recently concluded with some truly jaw-dropping results. An 18-year-old hacker who leaked clips of a forthcoming Grand Theft Auto game has been sentenced to an indefinite hospital order. Arian Kataj from Oxford, who is autistic, was a key member of international gang Lapsus. The gang's attacks on tech giants, including Uber, NVIDIA, and Rockstar Games, cost the firms nearly $10 million. The judge said Kurtaj's skills and desire to commit cybercrime meant he remained a high risk to the public. He will remain at a secure hospital for life unless doctors deem him no longer a danger. The court heard that Kurtaj had been violent while in custody with dozens of reports of injury or property damage. Doctors deemed Kurtaj unfit to stand trial due to his severe autism, so the jury was asked to determine whether or not he committed the alleged acts not if he did so with criminal intent. A mental health assessment used as part of the sentencing hearing said he continued to express the intent to return to cybercrime as soon as possible. He is highly motivated. This is like a Batman villain. Yeah, yeah. But I hopefully this kid can get the help he needs. I mean, uh, it, it, yeah, it might be- Lifetime might be in a hospital. Treatment for an addiction to cybercrime. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's hacker man. Clearly obsessed Real with life it. hacker man. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, this is weaponized autism on a scale rarely seen. And if he if he can manage to get fixated on anything else that doesn't involve doing millions of dollars in damage to the world's biggest corporations, there's a lot of potential for good to come out of this. Mm. This kid can cure cancer. Put him in front of a microscope. Yeah, I feel like he's gonna like the government's gonna get all of them and be like, "Hey, you like hacking?" But then they're gonna they're gonna take the eyes off a little bit. Next thing you know. Well, that's All the, the government secrets are out. That's his supervillain, uh, his fatal flaws. Gonna, he only does it for crime. If if he yeah. if he's allowed to do it, then where's the thrill? Yeah, well, yeah. Give him a computer again and he start checking the War Thunder forums or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, for now, the whole I fully intend to continue doing cybercrime and being violent to those around me thing, it means that the hospital is probably the best place for him until they yeah. can... Sort all that out. Yeah, and they're going to have to do movie night with a old reel-to-reel -reel and projector. 
You can't no plug electronics. In, no Roku for this guy. Yeah. No Amazon Fire Stick. He's in like a special cell that's like... It's like a Faraday cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in other news, it's important to remember, of course, that autism does not necessarily make you into some, into some sort of genius savant. Sometimes, you know, just makes you into Elon Musk. <laughs> and thankfully, Elon Musk kept things pretty low-key over the holiday, and there isn't too much new dumb bullshit to cover. There is some old... Dumb bullshit, though, which didn't get much attention the first time around or the second time, but it did finally land on a lot of people's radar around the holidays, which was perfect timing for reasons that you will soon understand. But first, some background. Apparently, way back in 2011, Elon Musk had a guest DJ stint on our local listener-supported public radio station, KCRW, which not only features NPR news, but also world-renowned music programming. Anyways, the context for why they had Elon do a guest DJ slot is lost to the sands of time. He did have a different public persona back then. At least he wasn't as outwardly hated back then. He hadn't uh, made a child submarine or called someone a pedophile or done any of the various number of other things back then. He was just kind of a tech weirdo. But he also, yeah, he wasn't really known. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to remember. 2011? Tesla existed. I think he was in charge of it back then. But he probably donated money to the... Radio station. They're always, they're always asking for money. So And look at how things turned out just uh, over a decade later. KCRW no longer even on Twitter after being labeled uh, U.S. government-funded media. Yeah. Well, uh, Elon did do a guest DJ slot, uh, but now you're probably wondering, what kind of music does Elon Musk like? Despite fathering multiple children with a famous musician who had their own problems over the holiday break... Uh, yeah, like a little white pride, you know? Hey, what? Why is that? Why are white supremacists calling me a white supremacist? She got the mind virus. Yeah, she did. And it ain't woke. Well, folks, look, Elon's musical taste, it's weirder and dumber than you can possibly guess. Back in October, finance website Benzinga apparently dug up Elon's 2011 playlist and published their article titled, Elon Musk Named Santa Claus is Coming to Town as One of His Most Inspiring Songs. I mean, who doesn't like Santa Claus? I guess it's good to have him come to town. <laughs> I guess. You want him to come to town, right? I, it's better than having him not come to town. Who doesn't love Santa Claus? Yeah. I, I, He's got look, gifts. He's flying. Of all the if things. If you kill him, you steal his job. I would have assumed Elon Musk was like, yeah, I love Burzum. Don't look any further into that. Yeah, it could have gone a lot of ways. Yeah. I would have, uh, like, prog Elon rock. Musk, big screwdriver fan. Prog rock, um, some weird subgenre of techno. Yeah. Uh, IDM. It's not EDM, it's intelligent. Intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that yeah. shit. But this is so much better. Mm-hmm. Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, I would have assumed that he was he, like a could have had a guest role in that Green Room movie or something instead of... Too loud. Instead of Santa Claus. But yeah, the article specifies that it is the Fred Astaire recording of Santa Claus is Coming to Town mm. that Musk considers one of his favorite songs and quotes him saying, I personally don't understand it, but it's the song that I whistle the most. I don't even realize I'm whistling it. Wow. Real earworm. R.I.P. to everyone who has to spend time around this man. Yeah. And other songs on Elon's Desert Island playlist include Frank Sinatra's Fly Me to the Moon, which, <laughs> which he describes as really inspiring and giving him a sense of possibility. Quote, you hear this song and it sounds like it's really going to happen. <laughs> what? Uh, we did go to the moon. Also, yeah, it is funny to be like, I like this song because it's about going to the moon. <laughs> Not for any other reason. Yeah. We went to the moon in 1969, Elon. Yeah, uh, a number he should love. You know, you wouldn't think it's possible, but then you start listening to 
old Frankie Blue Eyes and you're like, you know, one day we will go to the moon. I, I do like that these are all just like earworm whistling songs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a banger. Sure. Uh, and because Elon is such a comedy connoisseur, obviously we all know that. Uh, there are some funny songs on the list as well uh, from the article. Musk's other selections give us a broader view of the entrepreneur's complex persona. <laughs> America Fuck Yeah from the Team America World Police film might appear to be an unconventional choice, but Musk explains that it captures a little bit of essence of America in both a good and a bad way. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, uh, his other choices include the comedy song Always Look on the Bright Side of Life by Monty Python. Come another on. another whistling earworm. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, th- that seems to reflect his sense of humor, a less known aspect of the multifaceted man. I love that there's... I love that there are still media outlets that are willing to just suck this man's dick with every mm-hmm. new paragraph. <laughs> Such a multifaceted man listening to the soundtrack to Team America. Yeah. Completing the playlist is Andrea Bocelli's Conde Partiro, which Musk describes as a reminder that the world is a beautiful place. And amid the talk of space colonization and technological innovation, this song serves as a grounding note and a reminder of the inherent beauty that Earth offers. Then why are you trying to leave? Yeah, that's true. I that's enough. Also, like that one, that one more than it, that, like that's just the song that every middle class white American had like that CD in the year, like I don't know, nineteen ninety eight. It's the Everyone knows this You know the one. I, He's the, blind. The the explanation of that just reminds me of the, the the thing that infuriates me over and over again is why colonize Mars when we can save a perfectly good planet here that's already very beautiful? Because Frank Sinatra said to fly me to the moon. I want to eat all the cheese. Anyway, we are all immensely privileged to have this kind of insight into the mind of a genius. Mm-hmm. The, the, that playlist just reeks of genius. Yeah. Yeah. Reeks. Un- <laughs> Especially in 2011. Like, uh, the, 2011, not a bad year, like the it's years pretty, leading up to and, and out of it. cool era of music. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, unfortunately, not all of Elon's genius ideas come to fruition. You remember the Hyperloop? People tend to conflate the Hyperloop with the Boring Company, but they're two different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one key difference is that despite inventing the Hyperloop, which is really just a new take on the concept of vacuum tube trains that has been around for at least a century, Elon made no effort to actually invest in developing the technology. He simply encouraged others to do so and also used every opportunity to insist that the Hyperloop was the solution to the US being decades behind the rest of the world in mass transit. Not high-speed rail. Ew. Gross. Nuh-uh. Mm. The Hyperloop would be just so much faster. Talking like a million miles an hour. Yeah. And at the time, a decade ago, a lot of people figured, uh, this Elon guy, he, he got a, he's got a rocket company, a car company. He must be right about this. He's basically real-life Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So we should hold off on upgrading our atrociously outdated rail network and focus on the Hyperloop instead. Well, for years, people who actually understand the science have been saying that the Hyperloop is a literal pipe dream that could never work nearly as well as advertised in real-world conditions and would be needlessly expensive to develop and maintain, especially considering that places like Japan already have proven and reliable high-speed mass transit technology to emulate. After a decade of startups trying to make the Hyperloop happen, it's over, folks. The idea is finally going into the dustbin of failed ideas where it belongs. Here's Bloomberg. 
Hyperloop One, the futuristic transportation company building tube-encased lines to zip passengers and freight from city to city at airplane-like speeds, is shutting down, according to people familiar with the situation. Once a high-profile startup, Hyperloop One raised more than $450 million since its founding back in 2014, according to PitchBook. It built a small test track near Las Vegas to develop its transportation technology, and for a time took the name Virgin Hyperloop One after Richard Branson's Virgin invested. Virgin removed its branding after the startup decided last year to focus on cargo rather than people. Now the company has laid off most of its employees and is trying to sell its remaining assets, including the test track and machinery, according to one of the people who asked to remain anonymous discussing private information. In early 2022, the company employed more than 200 people. The business has also closed its Los Angeles office. The remaining workers tasked with overseeing the asset sale were told their employment will end on December 31st. But And that means we're getting great high-speed rail around the country, right? That's right. My work here is done. So yeah, Hyperloop One wasn't the only company trying to make the Hyperloop concept a reality. And there's still a few supposedly trying to make it happen, but Hyperloop One was definitely the highest profile Hyperloop startup and them shutting down after nine years, half a billion dollars and seemingly very little progress is effectively the end of the line for this idea. And, and hopefully it's a sign that the answer to our shitty Amtrak network is simply modernizing our rail system, not inventing a brand new form of transportation. But the damage is done and the results are pretty much what was actually intended. Uh, in the 2015 Elon Musk biography by Ashley Vance, the author wrote the following. Musk told me that the idea originated out of his hatred for California's proposed high-speed rail system. He insisted the Hyperloop would cost about $6 billion to $10 billion, go faster than a plane, and let people drive their cars onto a pod and drive out into a new city. At the time, it seemed that Musk had dished out the Hyperloop proposal just to make the public and legislators rethink the high-speed train. He didn't actually intend to build the thing. With any luck, the high-speed rail would be canceled. Musk said as much to me during a series of emails and phone calls leading up to the announcement. He literally killed California high-speed rail. With Thank you, Elon. Yeah. I was, you know, it would have been cool to be able to take a fucking train to San Francisco instead of driving the most boring fucking drive ever or dealing with Southwest Airlines mm -hmm. unnecessarily. But, you know... Oh, well. Oh, well. I think there is still some progress being done. No, they are. Yeah. It's, I mean, and there's there's all sorts of other issues, but we would have been probably further along now. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we would have had a 10-year head start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, look, he admitted. And he won. It's fucking frustrating. If you've ever spent any time anywhere else on this planet where they actually have functional high-speed rail networks, you realize how backwards we have it here. And Elon's Hyperloop concept seems like it was mostly a ploy to ensure that nothing changed. Tech writer Perix Marx is one of the top Musk haters out there, especially when it comes to this topic, and their blog post about the death of the Hyperloop really captures this sense of frustration. While the Hyperloop deception spread far and wide, nowhere was it stronger than in the United States. As countries around the world moved forward with real transport improvements, North Americans were distracted by the fantasies of clueless but self-confident tech moguls. They left people trapped in their cars and denied better options to get around that people in many other parts of the world, even those that are quite a bit poorer, take for granted. Now all they can do is shovel money at automakers to try to power cars with batteries instead of internal combustion engines. They have no vision for a better, less car-dependent alternative. And it continues, the tech industry's move into transportation was not only a failure, it was an active campaign to deny the public access to better transit and trains because the billionaires of Silicon Valley don't personally want to get around that way. The Hyperloop was one part of that, but so were the Boring Company, 
ride-hailing services, and self-driving cars. The Hyperloop's failure provides a lesson we're learning far too late, that Silicon Valley won't deliver us a better world if they can't find some way to profit off it. We need to stop falling for their grand deceptions and tell our media to stop echoing them too. But the, having like your own personal self-driving taxi is such a waste too because it's, you're still just clogging the highways. Yeah, and you still have to find a parking space. Big old train carry a lot of people. Yeah. It's, it's insane. I fucking like... It, it's If I were to ever leave LA, like that would be the main impetus. I fucking I mean, you're not going to escape. You're not going to escape traffic anywhere these days. Nah. Chicago, New York. Well, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. If you're if you want to just a lot of like medium sized uh, cities in America are actually like doing pretty well. Uh, for Tempe, Arizona, weirdly hmm. is like kind of at the front of the pack in designing those terrifying fifteen minute cities that uh, Very scary are stuff. gonna kill us all. Yeah. Anyways, that last point seems to be finally catching on somewhat, at least with regards to Elon who used to just say shit that he pulled right out of his ass and have the media happily report on it as fact. Like, for example, back in 2017, he tweeted, just received verbal government approval for the Boring Company to build an underground New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, D.C. Hyperloop. New York to D.C. in 29 minutes. Wow. And that was apparently just a flat-out lie with no evidence of any government approval ever provided. But it was still front-page news in the tech press. At least nowadays when Elon tweets some shit like, we are going to offer a mod package that enables Cybertruck to traverse at least 100 meters of water as a boat. The only, <laughs> the only media outlets who report it as fact are sites like Electric and Teslarati that are basically just Elon Musk fanzines. So that's some progress, I guess. I can't wait for Cybertruck owners to drive their shit into the lake. <laughs> Go for it. Do it. Go nuts. Check this out. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of progress, it would appear that Elon's quest to reduce Twitter's value down to zero is coming along very well. Yeah. Uh, here's the That's the one good job he's doing. <laughs> he is succeeding beyond all expectations. Mm -hmm. Here's The Guardian from this past weekend. The social media platform X has lost 71% of its value since it was bought by Elon Musk, according to the mutual fund Fidelity. Fidelity, which owns a stake in X Holdings, said in a disclosure obtained by Axios that it had marked down the value of its shares by 71.5% since Musk's purchase. Musk acquired Twitter for $44 billion in October 2022 and renamed Platform X in July 2023. Fidelity's estimate would place the value of X at about $12.5 billion. <laughs> wow. Wow, eat shit, sir. God damn. Wild. Make just $30 billion. <laughs> Disappear. What this could have been done magic. with all of that money? Uh, maybe some, a big forward progress on some high-speed rail to connect ew, a bunch ew, of cities. gross. High-speed rail? No. Let's invent some sort of airless tunnel system where magic happens. Uh, it's just an idea. I did some map, napkin math, and uh, you guys all figure that out. But do not build that train. Do not. So, yeah. It's 2024, and Twitter is still doing great. Greater than ever, actually. But uh, yeah, there's lots more of news to get to today in uh, the AI half of the show, including what seems to be a pretty rock-solid copyright infringement lawsuit against ChatGPT. But first, I gotta let you know this episode is sponsored by Mint Mobile. On average, it takes about 30 days for a person to break their New Year's resolution. So if saving money was on your 2024 list, your odds are not looking that great. Luckily... We got a 100% guaranteed way to save you money this year. Just switch to Mint Mobile. 
For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That is unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com newsday. That's mintmobile.com newsday. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com newsday. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is also sponsored by Masterclass. Picture that thing that you've always wanted to learn. Mm. Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiation with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or train your dog with Brandon McMillan, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. We love Masterclass, and you will too, because it's a great way to learn all sorts of stuff, even if it's not necessarily something you're going to be doing yourself. Like, even if you're not planning on directing a movie, it's still fascinating. Learning about the filmmaking processes of James Cameron, Martin Scorsese, Spike Lee, and Werner Herzog. And along the way, you you do learn a lot of lessons that you can apply to your own life. Mm -hmm. There's over 200 classes to pick from, with new classes added every month, like Roy Choi's cooking class that I really helped me to demystify a lot of the things that I love about Korean food and feel more confident in the kitchen. How much would it cost to take one-on-one classes from the world's best? Easily hundreds to thousands of dollars. Well, with a Masterclass annual membership, it's just $10 a month. Masterclass helps you learn anywhere, on TV, in the app, on their website, even in audio mode on the go. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. Right now, our viewers will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com newsday. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com newsday. That is masterclass.com newsday. Links down in the description below. All right, now it's time for the AI news, oh. starting with Grok, unfortunately. Yep, sorry, we're not done with Elon just yet. We will be, we'll be quick with this. Mm-hmm. Just, I love Grok. Can I file a complaint against Grok really quick? It's ruined uh, the way that Twitter looks on desktop. Well, there's too many buttons now. Too many buttons. Now it puts a scroll bar there. Yeah. And, and it won't leave. And it just ruins the aesthetic. Anyway, Grok. First off, we just got to highlight uh, what was a delightful interaction between Elon and one of his fellow great minds, Jordan Peterson. Oh, oh. I'm not going to read Peterson's entire post, but the gist of it is at the top. I've been using Grok as well as ChatGPT a lot as research assistants. Oh, no. I'm afraid the former is damn near as woke as the latter. To which Elon replied, Unfortunately, the internet on which it is trained is overrun with woke nonsense. Grok will get better. This is just the beta. All right, well, if the internet is so woke, why did you use it to train your explicitly anti-woke chatbot? Yeah, you're like, this ChatGPT is too woke. I'm going to make my own one. And you just fed it the internet? Mm-hmm. Which is woke. I, I do like that hmm. Musk almost very closely parroted Tim Pool's 
Walk, uh, Grok is woke, unfortunately. The internet is woke, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Reality is woke, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Uh, turns out reality has a liberal bias. Uh, anyways, let's move on because it happened again, folks. A lawyer decided to use ChatGPT to do their job and then got in trouble when it turned out they'd submitted a bunch of legal citations for cases that don't exist. They were bullshit. It made them up. They lied to a judge. And this time, the lawyer in question is a returning character. A real pit bull of a man with a lot of support from the ladies, if you believe uh, various accounts that were definitely not made Very up by real, him. yeah. That's right. It's former Trump attorney Michael Cohen. And pit bull. To, <laughs> and to be fair, Michael Cohen got banned from practicing law a long time ago due to his many crimes. But that still didn't stop him from committing the hottest legal faux pas of the 2020s. Here is Ars Technica. Donald Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, admitted providing fake AI-generated court citations to his own lawyer, who failed to check whether the cited cases were real before submitting them in a court brief. Cohen said the fake court cases came from Google Bard and that he thought Bard was like, quote, a supercharged search engine rather than a generative AI tool. As previously reported, Cohen's lawyer, David Schwartz, cited three cases that do not exist in a motion seeking early termination of Cohen's supervised release. The fake citations were meant to show previous instances in which defendants were allowed to end supervised release early. Two involved fictional cocaine distributors and the other an invented tax evader. The brief provided case numbers, summaries, and ruling dates for the citations, but the judge determined that the cases never happened. Facing punishment for violating federal rules, Schwartz filed an explanation that apologized for not checking these cases personally before submitting them to the court, but also blamed the conduct of his client. Uh... Yeah, you were probably supposed to check this. This went through one former lawyer and an active lawyer. Yeah. Dumb. Also, on a flight over the holidays, I was sitting next to someone who was using fucking ChatGPT to do their job. I didn't know whether to be impressed or offended. Well, it it works as long as it works. Yeah. Sure. I guess. it. I I didn't look very long. I didn't want to get involved. Uh, I I just don't care and wouldn't want to be a little peeping Tom on someone's work. But it seemed like stuff that was pretty inconsequential. It was like a music, music festival. Rip off your boss. Something. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Anyways, whoops. And speaking of AI generated oopsie daisies, American drugstore chain Rite Aid got in trouble last month for using a shitty facial recognition system in its security cameras that was meant to identify potential shoplifters, but seems to have mostly just resulted in thousands of random black and brown people being harassed for no fucking reason. Here's Quartz. It was installed at store locations in New York City, Baltimore, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, among other cities. Cameras would target customers as they entered the store or moved through it, the complaint said. The technology would then compare the live images with a database. The complaint noted that many images it used for its database were low quality, coming from security cameras, employee phone cameras, and news stories in some cases. The technology sent alerts to Rite Aid employees either by email or phone when it identified people entering the store on its watch list. The FTC said in its complaint that store employees would then follow those people, order them to leave, or call police. Federal officials also said employees would accuse people in front of friends, family, and other customers of previously committing crimes. And the penalty for running uh, what is basically an automated discrimination machine for eight straight years? um, They're not allowed to use facial recognition technology for five years. Oh, wow. That's it. Though, to be fair, the FTC might just be letting Rite Aid Aid off easy here because they have struggled financially for years Mm -hmm. and probably won't even still be around. 
five years from now. I swore that they went out of business or went bankrupt. They closed a bunch of stores. My here. local Rite Aid has, at any given point of the day, one employee working the entire floor. Yeah, that it's means insane. You, you can't get those square ice cream cones. Uh, you can. You just gotta like find. <laughs> anytime I go there and like, you got, I have to find the one person working there and be like, "Hey, I want to pay. I want an ice cream cone." And it's like, does this place really care about fucking shoplifting? No, they don't give a fucking shit. I could, I could steal so much here if I wanted to. No, Rite Aid's just a big honey trap for the government now. I guess. Yeah. Anyway. Moving on now to a company that is not in dire straits, the New York Times, America's paper of record. They have managed to actually weather the changing media landscape of the past few decades, and they're not too keen on the idea that they did that. And now tech companies are just hoovering up all of their articles without their permission so that people can get their news from a chatbot instead of visiting the actual source of that news, which is them. So the New York Times is suing OpenAI, creators of ChatGPT, and Microsoft, whose Bard chatbot was developed in collaboration with OpenAI for copyright infringement in a case that has the potential to really just throw a big old wrench into the entire generative AI craze. Very exciting stuff yeah. here. Here's Reuters. The newspaper's complaint filed in Manhattan federal court accused OpenAI and Microsoft of trying to free ride on the Times' massive investment in its journalism by using it to provide alternative means to deliver information to readers. There is nothing transformative about using the Times content without payment to create products that substitute for the Times and steal audiences away from it, the Times said. And here's CNBC. The Times said in an email statement that it recognizes the power and potential of generative AI for the public and for journalism, but added that journalistic material should be used for commercial gain with permission from the original source. These tools were built with and continue to use independent journalism and content that is only available because we and our peers reported, edited, and fact-checked it at high cost and with considerable expertise, the Times said. Settled copyright law protects our journalism and content, the Times added. If Microsoft and OpenAI want to use our work for commercial purposes, the law requires that they first obtain our permission. They have not done so. Yeah, so the Times is arguing that OpenAI and Microsoft are seeking to directly compete with the Times by stealing and repackaging the Times' content. And their complaint contains some pretty damning evidence in support of that claim. They've got multiple, so many examples of answers from various chatbots that are almost word for word identical to New York Times articles, specifically articles that the newspaper spent significant amounts of time and resources reporting. And they've also got screenshots of someone telling ChatGPT that they can't read a New York Times article because of the paywall and... Could ChatGPT please provide the text of the article, <laughs> yeah. which it happily does? Uh, the lawsuit also made sure to include the fact that these chatbots frequently cite the New York Times when hallucinating bullshit, which mm -hmm. is not, know, not, not great good, for the Times. Not great for the brand, you know? Yeah, but it's the straight up plagiarism that's staggering here. I mean, there's an entire separate document, Exhibit J, titled 100 Examples of GPT-4 Memorizing Content from the New York Times which contains over 100 pages of side-by-side -side text comparing GPT-4's outputs with New York Times articles with almost no differences. And the general consensus seems to be that the New York Times put together a pretty strong case here, and it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. It'll be a new precedent. Yeah, uh, OpenAI's like, official response is that, oh, we're just doing fair use. But um, as we saw with James Somerton mm -hmm. and that the longest video I've watched all year, mm -hmm. which I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Uh, 
Yeah, that, that's not how fair use works. No. You, that's that's just plagiarism. And the Times isn't asking for a specific amount of money, but they use the word billions when referring to the damages. And they also want the court to make OpenAI and Microsoft destroy their AI models and data sets that contain material from the Times. So yeah, we've already got the big tech legal saga of 2024 underway, and uh, we're very excited to see where this goes. In the meantime, New York Times doing very well with their uh, their their games app. Uh, I've seen a bunch of other people that work what for they got? They got Wordle and what else? Well, they have a new one called Connections that's like uh, code names. Oh. Uh, but solo. Yeah, yeah. Very cool and very tough sometimes. Very challenging. Really and gets I, the brain moving, moving I, in the morning. I, of course, I always got to do the daily crossword and the uh-huh. mini crosswords. They uh, really get the brain going. Yeah. So uh, their games app, very good. Their home delivery, I tried it last year, was not happy with the results. Very, uh, I didn't see a paper for a very long time. It would come every once in a while, well, and it wouldn't come for weeks. That's not the Times. That's, that's your local paper boy. Fire that paper boy. Yeah, that local paper boy is double dipping, sounds like. I wanted to get back to the old-fashioned way of reading the paper, and, uh, well, it just wasn't uh, wasn't there for me. Yeah. I got one of their deals where it was like, and that's probably why, because it was like yeah, the, a lot of a lot of the annual deals are like fuck it, we'll throw in like uh, the, the, it was the Sunday the version. Sunday yeah. Times. Mm-hmm. And, I was like, cool, uh, I'm gonna get the Sunday New York Times. I get the crossword to do with a pen, and yeah, I uh, can't wait. And then nothing. I think I got maybe like three out of like six months or something. Wow. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Anyways, just happy to support the journalism. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll keep playing those games. Mm-hmm. You love the games. As long as they don't put a, a microtransaction yeah, mechanic. Gotcha. <laughs> you came back three days actually, in a row. Actually, you can buy uh, crosswords on there, and I've done it for trips. Oh, shit. Well, Supporting they got that you. They got gotcha. Anyways, if you somehow missed our first episode back of the new year with a bunch of stuff in it that happened over the break, including an anthropomorphic t- Pop-Tart who was eaten alive. Horrific. Yeah. That Pop-Tart had a family. Yes, it did. Uh, all of that and more in our most recent episode. Also, ha, ha, Mickey, the back of the hey, I'm Mickey Mouse. And you I... can use me freely. <laughs> I will suck my own dick. Oh, I'll update. They, they're changing the name of the Mickey Mouse game. They're like, we did not know 88 had a... Uh, the game is set in the year 1988. We learned a lot of things. Yeah, good. Thank I you hope for, that, thank I hope that we, we were in one small part <laughs> yeah. responsible for that because that was the first thing I thought of. You guys have explained a lot more about the number 88 than we knew going into this. So. Good. Hey, good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's it for our episode. New, new stuff over there. Please like the video. Fuck, we forgot to say it. Like oh the video. Oh my God, you got to like it. <sighs> got to like the video. Make up for us for getting to say it by liking it. Come on. And leaving a comment, replying to a comment, and getting into a discussion down there. Engage. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.